White Hot Magazine, one of the world's leading platforms and institutions for contemporary art. Visit us online at whitehotmagazine.com and follow us on social media. Welcome to the White Hot Magazine Art World Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Becker. Today, we have a very special guest who um, it goes by the name of Jason Andrew. I believe that's your actual name, right, Jason? That's right. <laughs> and um, tell me a little bit about what you've been doing with uh, the work of Elizabeth Murray and the estate of Elizabeth Murray. Sure. Um, well, you know, Elizabeth Murray is one of these transformative legendary figures. So when uh, the estate approached me in 2016, 2017, um, it had been about 10 years since the artist's death. And um, they, they were intrigued by what we might be able to do as far as avocation on behalf of the estate. Um, I think for so many years, and as the art world has changed, artists relied very heavily on the gallery system to create opportunities and, um, you know, not, but beyond just selling, beyond just selling art, but create opportunities and, and develop an archive and engage. Um, and now social media is so important too. So I think the estate was very intrigued by some of the work that I was doing with other estates that I was managing. And right. so, so a little bit of course, background, just, you're, you're managing more than one, or you have managed more than one estate. Yes, yes, I have. Um, so the estate your, of Jack it's called Artist Estate Studio. Is that your company? It is. Okay. And so Artist Estate Studio, um, uh, do you just specialize on, the, on several artists that you represent? Or the, the estate of several artists that you represent? Or are you taking, do you take on more artists' estates as you go along? Yeah, I mean, we've sort of turned into a consulting firm. I mean, there's only so much we're able to be able, you know, I'm able to do as one person in a small with us within a small staff. Right. Um, our major estates are Jack Twerkoff, Elizabeth Murray, Janice Viala, right. Edith I, Schloss. I interrupted, who just had her. I interrupted you earlier. You were about to say his name. And uh, was that an estate that you were dealing with before you started working with the Elizabeth Murray? Is it the Elizabeth Murray Foundation? Is that what? It's the it's the actually uh, legal the legal term is the Murray Holman Family Trust. Mm -hmm. But we we use the word you know we use that that language pretty pretty loosely. The estate of Elizabeth Murray. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I met her. Oh, tell me. I had a conversation with her. A brief conversation of a few minutes. I went to the Ninety Second Street Y. And it was 19, summer, uh, I think, of 1997, uh -huh. something. It was uh -huh. a long time ago. I don't, I don't hold me to the exact time, but I, I was a fan of her work for a while. And I heard that she was doing a talk at the 92nd Street Y. And I went to her talk. And then I approached her after the talk. And I had a short conversation with her and, and told her how, what a big fan admirer of her work I am. I can't remember exactly what we said, but it was something something fairly basic like that. But she was very yeah. nice. You know, she was one of these great 
even though she she was very legendary in her own in her own time and beyond um you know she was one of these artists that was very approachable you hear un, i hear countless stories of people who were walking the streets in lower manhattan and would run into her with their dog and she would be happy to say hi or mm-hmm. you know have a conversation about yeah she was painting. very approachable very very down to earth very nice very yeah. interested in meeting me and didn't didn't seem pretentious at all. Was, uh, I remember that, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you about what you're doing with her work, because I am a fan. Yeah. Well, you know, again, I think just kind of going back to introducing how I came into the came into the picture, I think the family was very curious about, you know, an advocation on uh, finding a way to advocate uh, on their own behalf. And um, you know, sort of create a, uh, a work, a, a solid working relationship with the gallery and the market, but also be very, create a system that could be very autonomous. So an Instagram and a website, um, were the first really big, big, um, tools that we developed for the, for the estate for Elizabeth Murray. And through that developing a very robust chronology for researchers um, a very robust archival, uh, searchable, you know, database, so to speak. Um, and then also cataloging uh, her work on a level that could translate very quickly into a, a catalog resume project when and if that, that time would come. So a lot of secondary market research and, um, you know, and then mining all of the wonderful, her wonderful writing, you know, her, 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 her wonderful statements about art, um, you know, countless, <laughs> endless. <laughs> so that has some of that been put into book form or catalog form? Yeah, I mean, I think, oof. you know, I think that's one of the, 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 the 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 goals that the estate has on the on on the horizon um you know a monographic publication that could bring together a lot of the major essays about her work over the years um you know moma's catalog uh of curate the, the show curated by rob store in 2007 or 2006 i'm sorry 2005 and 2006 Um, you know, is sort of the definitive study on her work. But as we discovered even more recently, my research into her life in Buffalo, New York, where she lived for two years, um, there's a lot of information that just you can't, you know, as time passes and the research, the research goes on, you find more and more uh, things to include. Um, Right. So a monographic publication would be amazing. And I mean, her contemporaries, you think about Schnabel and you think about some of the other men uh, of her generation, um, you know, countless monographs and studies on the, on the artist's work. And um, that's one of the things that, that seems to be very uh, unfortunate about, um, about her status. You know, uh, many would say she's overlooked Mm. now is it wasn't her work with pace gallery or did i see a big show of her work with pace gallery a few years ago yes um 
Well, she's been represented, now she's been represented primarily by three major galleries. First was Paula Cooper. Uh, she started with the Paula Cooper Gallery in the mid 70s. And then she moved to Pace Gallery in the mid 90s and remained there through uh, the end of her life. She died in 2007. And then the uh, Pace remained key in the marketing and selling of her work until uh, last year when the estate moved to Gladstone Gallery. Mm. Right. Interesting. So, so, are so you, you know, so being able to in those kinds of shifts, or is that something that, like, how does that work? Um, well, uh, of course, I'm privy to these the, the conversations and the and um, I'm you know I'm 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 one to really uh, think quite carefully about advice and these kinds of things. So, yeah, I think so. But it, you know, in the end, it, it's a it's really the family's decision to decide you know what what to do. Uh, it was a a. A, a big move leaving Pace, but I think an important move in that um, her work really requires a new conversation, um, a new breadth. Uh, um, and I think that Gladstone, moving to Gladstone seemed, um, was, uh, I think it's a great move. I think that there's a, a wonderful stable of artists there that have come to appreciate and respect Elizabeth's work, Amy Silman mm -hmm. and uh, Tip Dunham, Carol Dunham is there. Um, Amy was, uh, Amy Silman was a student of Elizabeth Murray's and actually just came out with a wonderful essay on Elizabeth and um, the importance of Elizabeth's work in, in her life as a young painter. Mm trying to navigate the 70s. <laughs> right. Huh. And so I think uh, we're always angling, I think every artist is different. I mean, we don't, we no longer have Elizabeth around making paintings. So, you know, um, it's, it's, that's one of the biggest challenges I think faced with legacy work is how do you keep that conversation as fresh as it as if it was that that she was making a new painting, mm -hmm. and I think we've done that um, through her Instagram, which um, where I'll take uh, often I'll take a single painting and just dive really deep into it and and, um, and talk in depth about the work um, using a lot of her her own quotes or descriptions about the what was happening in the studio and her, in her life, you know, everything that she did ended up in her paintings some way or another, you know? Um, and I think that's why her work is so appreciated um, is that it does have that taste of life. Has she, ha did she have a museum survey or I'm thinking she, maybe she did. Yeah, yeah, she had a career retrospective. The first career, the, the mid-career retrospective, I guess we can call it, was one that was organized in, um, by MIT and, and the Dallas Museum of Art in 1987. And there was a wonderful publication that came out of that. And then, you know, there were a few survey shows in between. And then there was the, the large um, Museum of Modern Art exhibition that opened I think it was the fall of 20 2005 mm -hmm. and that really was I mean she was only I think she was the fifth woman artist to ever have a, 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 a retrospective during her lifetime 
so um you know pinnacle but you know the 2005 was you know quite, quite a long time ago so it was exciting this last summer with the um, ub art galleries and the interest of one curator the director um robert rob scalise bob scalise um uh, he was very intrigued by Elizabeth's uh, two-year stunt in Buffalo, where she was on the West Coast and wanted to get make her way to to New York City, and um, got a teaching job in Buffalo, New York, and moved there and taught. She had her first uh, show there on the East. We, the she had one of the first east coast i guess we could call it if buffalo is east coast <laughs> it's more midwest right <laughs> um at a, an artist run gallery and one of and at a f fabulous interview in the mm. buffalo you know news and things like this that really gave us a huge insight into that transitional period of elizabeth leaving the east coast and then coming into new york mm. so you're thinking maybe another survey could be well it would be really wonderful i mean she's never had a survey of her work on the west coast and there's a number of major paintings in the west uh, um on the west coast um you know her oh so like los angeles maybe yeah or you know or, or the san francisco museum of modern art would be amazing seattle has a beautiful painting you know um i think it's time for her work to be seen on a on a larger uh, a larger platform. I think, even though the paintings, a number of them, when at the Gladstone Gallery, the show that's on the Gladstone Gallery now, three of them were painted in 1982. Um, you know, they still seem so fresh and so vibrant and so alive. And um, you know, while uh, the works held within the estate are rare. Um, there are signature works that are out there in museums that that need to be seen. And I think that that's one of the biggest challenges um, facing a curator or a museum. You know, moving Elizabeth's work is like shipping cars. <laughs> you know, they're large and sometimes often multi-paneled. They can be complicated to install. But it's been my directive to really make that streamline um, you know, creating guides for installation, um, you know, securing traveling crates and shipping crates and all of that. So we kind of have it down to a science and, um, but we just need, the heavy lifting is really uh, that in the interest, you know? Right. So in terms of the interest, um, aside from everyone in the world listening to this podcast, um, what about people who have never heard of Elizabeth Maria or even people that are big fans of her work or curators or whoever it is out there in um, the collective consciousness like what what do you want them to know or how can they participate yeah um you know above all I think Elizabeth Murray is um a transformative figure you know she's one who reimagined the conditions under which painting is produced and disseminated, you know, um, as Amy Silman tells it, Murray was someone who, um, um, you know, addressed both gender and 
and and disposition, um, but but was able to occupy the art world from the inside and from the an outside position. Um, in that, you know, she she, she while she was com totally committed to art and the making of art, she still was a mother. She was a, a wife. Um, she still was very much engaged in what was happening within her community, you know, and Silman went, Silman also said that Murray simply refused to submit to the position of the illegitimacy of women, of the women experience in painting history. And she wanted, you know, Elizabeth wanted to be a painter and she made herself a painter and, and the different modes in which she did that, how she twisted and turned canvases, um, in order to tell her story the way she wanted it told. I mean, I think it makes her very, very, she's unique. Uh, she's unique. Yeah, I've never seen anything quite like it. And uh, it's definitely contemporary art. It's extremely original and deserves to uh, have the support network that's set up behind it with your efforts and the family. Sometimes when uh, artists pass away, they don't always have a family or a supportive um, group of people that want to see the work pushed forward and uh, kept up to date. So, yeah, well, uh, you know, it's been really exciting for me to be able to, to dive in and every day is something new, uh, a new discovery for me, whether it's an, an old article or a quote or a, a work that I thought or we believed was lost is found and mm -hmm pulling all that material together um, in the best way we can. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, being Maybe able to help. to have a publisher come in and publish another, like a monograph. Oh yeah. I mean, this is, this is, it's, it's well past time, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Something like Risley or, you know, one of the, one of the international publishing houses. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is the one thing that's very interesting about Elizabeth's work while her contemporaries like Schnabel and Clemente, um, contemporaries from the 80s who had huge big lives, you know, Elizabeth, her work was never really um, seen in Europe um, and never, you know, I, re I, re I recall a, an article Roberta Smith wrote in The Village Voice calling out that, you know, like most American painters, um, Elizabeth Murray was more or less ignored by European dealers or, or any sort of curatorial body institution. Um, you know, so she's very well, she's not very well known in Europe. And uh, we did a show of the Canadian Art Center in London in 2019, um, where we we're able to actually pull out a painting called The Sandpaper Fate which was a, you know, probably one of her most ambitious works in 19. So, um, you know, very exciting moment for us to be able to pull a, together a, a survey and, and have it be seen in London it was very well received. And, you know, building on those kinds of mini shows into something that's, you know, more accessible or travels. It was un unfortunate that the MoMA show didn't travel anywhere to not mm -hmm. one single institution in America. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it traveled to um, Valencia, Spain. Um, but other than that, 
relatively ignored by the rest of the United States. I guess if you have a retrospective at MoMA, that that's kind of enough. It doesn't need to go anywhere else. But there are huge parts of the country uh, where, where, you know, her work would be really well received. And that, I mean, look, she, she stands for a very determined um, female figure um, making these things. Um, and I think that voice is something that's really um, continues to be um, sourced. One of the things, one of the biggest uh, challenges, I think, too, for young people learning about her work is that they're going to see her work in a book or in a catalog or in an anthology of women art. And to see a small reproduction of her work is not like is not the same as standing in front of it. We all no, know that. That's true. Yeah, I've always uh, enjoyed the way that she worked with shaped canvases and that that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean it's um, some of my favorite work. So what what is coming up? Do you have anything that you would like to announce about um, what's coming up with the work of Elizabeth Murray? Well, um, we still have, we've got the show at Gladstone on until the 18th of December here in New York. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the 24th Street location. Um, The Carnegie Museum has an exhibition called Wild Life that was curated by Rebecca Madelon. It features Elizabeth's work with, uh, paired with a contemporary artist, Jesse Reeves. Mm -hmm. That show is at the Carnegie Museum and that goes until the mid-july mid-january i'm sorry Mm -hmm. um one of my favorite paintings a painting called despair um is is included in a moma survey um so that painting is up but other than that there's nothing really huge on the horizons um that you know is concrete yeah that sounds great well i mean this is an honor to talk to you about this particular artist uh, an honor to talk to you anyway and i hope we can stay in touch over the next little bit and um thanks again for taking the time to tell me about what's happening with elizabeth murray oh you're welcome thank you thank you noah have a great afternoon okay Okay, bye-bye